Good evening, Canes fans, and welcome to the 13th episode of The Route the Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Betts, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mike May. How we doing, Mike? Fantastic. Another week. Hockey's back. Y- you recouped a little bit from last week? Yeah. Fresh off a, a red eye back from Vegas. Uh, <laughs> as all good weekends yeah. end. <laughs> feeling a little jet-lagged, a little tired, but here... Glad to be back. Sounds like a good time. And speaking of good times, your Carolina Hurricanes are off to a great start, uh, 2-0 and with, with two, well, at least one dominant win over the Islanders on Thursday night, opening night here in Raleigh, and then Saturday evening in Nashville. Nice to beat those guys again. Um, any initial thoughts? So my initial concern would be that there would be a period where team would figure themselves out and kind of start gelling as a unit um it seems like they're at a good point right now already with that being said i do think there is room to improve and that's what gets me more excited than anything is that i feel like they already have a a solid team on the ice and there is definitely room to improve so yeah and we're gonna dive deep into both of these games just kind of more you know an, an overview things that that stood out um, initial impression, I, I've been fairly impressed with the team and, um, especially in that, you know, the Islanders game's great. Although the, the Islanders uncharacteristically have given, you know, gave up 11 goals in their first two games. You got to think Barry Trotz gets that figured out, but I, I just think the team looks, um, like it's at a really good spot. And, and obviously there, there's going to be some cohesion things and the team's going to grow together, but. I don't think there's any appreciable, you know, noticeable step back uh, that they've lost with with uh, the exit of Hamilton and others that we kind of surmised may be the case, you know, early in the year. So very pleased. Um, you ready to dive in or any more quick thoughts? Yeah, let's get into it. Okay, so Thursday night, uh, October 14th at home, PNC Arena versus the Islanders. Uh, your Carolina Hurricanes opened up with a 6-3 victory. Uh, and in fairly dominant fashion, in my opinion, um, controlled play. I, I really believe that what we saw uh, out of the Canes was just a controlling effort despite giving up the first goal to Barzell. I, I truthfully thought uh, Anderson was maybe a little loose as opposed to in Nashville. I thought he was very good. Um, otherwise, y- you saw your stars be stars. You know, Svetch was dominant. Turbo was dominant. Uh, nice to see uh, Tony D'Angelo step in and provide offensive production from the blue line uh, that we need with the loss of Dougie Hamilton. Uh, great individual efforts by Jordan Martinook and um, Nino Niederreiter. Uh, it's just, it was a pretty controlled effort. Uh, despite the score kind of being back and forth at times, this one never really felt out of possession to me. What about you? Yeah, I think it was one of those games where you like the way they played because when New York would go on their run or their rally, if you will, and the Canes would get punched in the face and they would immediately answer the bell and be either score right after, right, or continue to play their brand of hockey, right? They didn't fall out of character and they like you never saw them like turn off the gas or however you want to put it, which is what you like to see out of the gate. Um, the mentality of the Rod Brendamore philosophy, the system is established. 
Obviously, there's some growth that will occur over time as some players get more comfortable with the system. But you watch the Islanders game and even the Nashville game as well, and you you look at the way they played, and you're like, yeah, like they're playing the right way. Some guys are going to have to get going, which is just a natural start, right? We know how we know how Aho usually is a little slower at the beginning of seasons historically, and. I mean, so far we're pointless for Trochak and Kakaniemi. Like you got, got a lot of you got a lot of talent. Like look at look at our depth scoring right now. So yeah, I mean, people need to remember, and it's such a microscope on the season. Like you win two games, or even if you drop two games at in January, right in the middle of the season, it, it's not that big of a deal. But it is always better to go ahead and get off to a hot start. I worry less about guys in, in small sample sizes. Uh, to your point, Aho, a notorious slow starter. Um, but yeah, as far as that that game versus New York, you thought that with maybe all the roster turnover and ex- an inordinate amount of roster turnover for a division-winning team, that maybe it might take some time. And for whatever reason, maybe it's just the core has remained stable other than the loss of Hamilton. Maybe it's the voice in the room of Rod Brendamore and the leadership group under Jordan Stahl. You can't tell me they like this roster had such significant turnover and then have gelled so quickly without uh, those factors being a reality. So it's no doubt a talented team. I think what we're seeing early through two games is that if it is going to be a truly contending team, you've got to get, you know, and he's not going to put up, you know, he's not going to score 160 points and, you know, three goals every two games, but you need the jump from a guy like Svech. And it's great to to see him doing that. Although, I mean, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. He did get off to a ridiculous start last year. Um, but yeah, it's a great sign to see early. Yeah. I mean, we've got, contributions you look like you look at somebody like Jesper Foss right and all of a sudden you've got a guy like Seth Jarvis sitting on the bench like hey if I'm out of the lineup I might not be back in the lineup because if he gets an opportunity and that's competition that we haven't had before we've had that on the fourth line maybe recently but we haven't had second third line competition where it's like hey this guy that is sitting on the bench right now this guy that's sitting in the stands watching if he gets in the lineup, right, you might not get your spot back. That's the that's and that's what you like to see. And obviously, look, we've got a response, right? We've got two goals in two games from Jesper Foss. Um, that one yeah. in Nashville is gorgeous. Oh yeah, I mean, and that's and that's awesome, and that's what you want to see. And you've heard players talk about it. The competition is like one of the core pieces for the team's success, right? They compete every day to be on. This roster, a roster that arguably has two first lines, a really strong, like the third line is a solid second line, right? Second line that with shut down down capabilities. I mean, it's no one wants to play against those guys. And a fourth line with depth, right? People, you got options to come into that fourth line. Like you should never have a slow night from the fourth line because you've got a guy sitting on the bench, right? And then you got guys in the AHL who are NHL quality players waiting for their opportunity. There should this team should never hit a point where people aren't playing up to their capabilities, right? And that's and that's massive. That's some not something that every team can say for sure. 
Sure. And, you know, I, I think people were a little concerned that the Yahoo uh, line wasn't didn't maybe have their best night versus the Islanders. But I think what you saw in that was the depth, was the fact that the third line, you know, contributed, what, two goals and was really good. And just then the fourth line contributes a goal and they were really good. And when you can control, you know, the if your bottom two lines are overwhelming the competition and then your stars on top of that, like, and it's going to be a different guy every night, but, you know, it was Turbo and Svetch that game. Well, then you're, then you're going to beat a lot of people. And yeah. honestly, that's great because then your big guys don't have to shoulder the burden every single night. Um, yeah. And to your point, it, it's not like if, you know, that falls off, guys aren't replaceable because the first time that at least I can remember, you can go to the AHL. You got a terrific young player sitting on the bench right now as a healthy scratch. He's motivated. It's a really good spot to be in it. I know that makes me excited and I, it definitely does for you too. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the goaltending is different than anything we've ever seen, right? Watching, we've only seen Freddie in regular season play so far, but we've never had a goalie like Freddie ever. We've we've usually, I mean, you look back at Urbe, you look back at Cam Ward, you look back at Mrazic, at Nadelkovic, at guys like that, and we're talking Scott about... Scott Darling. Yeah, well... <laughs> Was Scott, was he a goalie actually though? Or did, was he, he, he just, had the pads on baby? Was he just driving that phantom around town? Hey, he's a cup champion. <laughs> so uh, you look at it and you watch and the defense has to adjust to the way that Anderson plays because historically you've had guys that might get beat on the shot, but if they save the shot and it's a rebound, they're going to make saves when they shouldn't. Whereas Freddie shouldn't get beat on the shot very often. And if you help him on the rebound control, I mean, you got to think like you probably prefer that as a defenseman rather than like, hey, I push this guy to a bad angle and you still let the shot in. I'd rather be like, oh, man, I got beat to the net. All right. That one's on me versus I did my job and you got beat. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And. Hey, as we talked about, small sample sizes with the forwards. I think that's the same for the goalies. Um, thus far, we've only seen Frederick Anderson play. I, I, I would say one good game, one bad game, with the bad game being opening night. Fought the puck a little bit, didn't look super comfortable, but settling into a new system. And, you know, unfortunately, Peter Mrazek gets hurt in his first game in Toronto after it looked like he was off to a really good start. And Ned, after two good periods, saw things implode there versus Tampa. Um, it, it's just going to be interesting because those guys are going to lesser situations. Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta are coming to improve situations. We've already talked, you know, to the point of redundancy about the fact that regardless of what the stats show, uh, there's going to be regression at the goalie position this year in Carolina. But if it passes the eye test and it damn sure passed the eye test in Nashville, and I thought he was very impressive uh, but sticking with the Islanders game, kind of an uncharacteristic uh, performance from yeah, Brett Pesci. I, I thought Slavin was actually a little loose as well, uh, although he you know, had an assist. But the, the pairings were a little different. I know he had envisioned uh, Slavin and TDA on the first pairing. 
I actually thought Ethan Bear looked really good in that group, and I thought yeah. Ian Cole and, and D'Angelo were great on the third pairing. Yeah. Ironically, I thought the weakest pairing was was Pesci and Shea, but we've seen those two guys play well together in the past. Certainly not anything to worry about. In fact, they rebounded in game two. Yeah. But give me your thoughts on uh, Slavin and Bear. Well, so Bear to me is the better all-around defender compared to TDA, so I can understand the idea there i think you have more potential to unlock with bear i think we've seen the best with tda in his career already being his time in new york and i think you can unlock some of that offensive potential but if you're able to throw him on your third pairing and he can be a power play specialist and he doesn't get exposed for his defensive weaknesses then more power to the team right so if bear can handle the responsibility of being that pairing with Slavin because I don't want to really call him top pairings and stuff because you know how he likes to play his defensive minutes um I like Bear I like what I saw out of him like I think the key on defense is don't necessarily need to be noticeable right especially like let you can let Slavin make the noticeable defensive plays you can let your Brett Pesci your Brady Shea Ian Cole let those guys be the guys that make the defensive plays and don't make a mistake ultimately on that end. So Bear finds the score sheet uh, on the first goal, the tip by Svetch. Um I, I thought he was, we talk, joked about, you know, you mentioned not being noticeable. I did think he was noticeable in a good way. thought he's very fluid mover, moved the puck well, uh, looked pretty good with Jacob Slavin. Um, the other pairing we mentioned was, was Ian Cole and, and Tony D'Angelo. I thought, Ian Cole, for the notoriety of being a stay-at-home defender, has looked really good through two games, does have a, a bomb of a slap shot. Um, but, yeah, if you can shelter TDA on that third pairing, um, I think that can go a long way for this team because we know he's going to get power play one minutes. Um, thus far, you know, things have looked pretty good back there. And um, I think I especially was concerned uh, heading into the year that, you know, we might lose something on the back end and through two games, that certainly has not been the case. And to keep it on the defenseman, let, let's pivot to uh, that first power play unit, which one good game, one bad game. I know we, we referenced that with Anderson, but it was kind of the opposite with the, uh, the power play. I thought power play one was really, really good versus the Islanders and exceptionally mediocre versus Nashville, but sticking with the Islanders game, um, give me your thoughts. What, what, what were you thinking? So Islanders game, I mean, I loved what I loved what I saw, right? It's what we had always envisioned. Um, the puck movement being key, right? Allowing Turbo to utilize his skill shooting and passing, right? Like he's got, he's a guy that, has showed and showed in that game that he's got an incredible release, whether it's a wrist shot or a slap shot, right? And so different from Hamilton, TDA is a little bit more of a puck mover versus a get shots through traffic. Like he's not going to, I don't, envision him getting goals at the rate Dougie got. You, you could tell the shot was not on par. It, not it's not anywhere close, but what was noticeable to me was the passing was excellent. Not that Dougie's a bad passer. He's a very, very good passer, 
but putting the puck in the right spots, yeah. which allowed the puck movement to move even more fluidly, gets it to Svetch, Svetch is able to split the seam, you know, things of that nature, lays the pass off to Teravainen, Teravainen's and, you know, passes in the perfect spot for the one-timer. Yep. Those are the little things that don't show up oftentimes, but it can turn over into production, tangible yep. production. Um, but yeah, that all, that all stems from him as the the quarterback. Yeah. And him being able to walk the blue line, blue line, excuse me. He's, he's got great skating. He's got great speed walking the blue line on a power play is massive, right? Being able to move the puck and adjust and evade if they're, if they're playing a diamond on the penalty kill or the, if they're playing across, whatever it may be, right. Being able to evade that pressure and continue to move the puck. If, if he can be quick and take away that, then that just adds another element. It's going to pick up open ice, right? If you can get people out of position. So it's a little different than Dougie. It's going to be different results for sure. You lack that pure goal scoring ability that Dougie had. But with that being said, I do think that the power play is still built to be really successful moving the puck, which I think tailors to a lot of the other players' strengths anyways. Yeah, one thing I, I am glad you touched on his skating. You, you mentioned, you know, walking the blue line. Well, another aspect of that, which, you know, helps the power play, helps just things in general, is uh, a play that stands out is there was a turnover at the blue line on the first power play. And everyone knows I, I am a huge Dougie Hamilton guy, by the way, scored his first game uh, with the team. Just going to put that out there. Um, but Tony D'Angelo made a play that Dougie Hamilton physically could not make and would just never make in a million years. Yep. You know, a, a pseudo breakaway after the turnover. And not only does it not turn into a, a true breakaway, D'Angelo walks him down with his skating ability and just bulldozes the guy, basically stiff arms him to the ground and they get the puck back and it's, you know, right back to the power play. Yep. And it was uh, Clutterbuck too, oh, who's not a weak. No, guy it, it was an incredibly impressive physical play. Um, it almost looked like he punched him. It to be did. Totally, it really did. To be totally honest, I was watching. Um, hey, legal with, play, with legal no play. Volume. Hey, you can punch the other team. We're fine with that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, gets the puck back and you know, this is not to besmirch Hamilton at all, but one, he's just never going to catch him. Yeah. And, and two, just, although he's six, six and, and can be more physical than he gets credit for, doesn't play with an edge like, no. like Tony Angelo will and does. And um, I think the teams maybe missed a little bit of that sandpaper because they haven't had it on the back end. I mean, we had it with Furland. Uh, you've you have it a little bit with Martinook and in the past with McGinn guy, guys that would mix it up and, and play physically. But most of the players on the back end have traditionally been more finesse oriented yeah. Uh, Hawk and Paul last year played physical, but he was only here half a year and um, didn't play as physical, didn't play as, physical as, as he did like. in Anaheim. Yeah, yeah, that didn't translate. I, I really liked him, but it didn't translate as much. But hey, it, it's nice to have that edge. I think Ian Cole can play with that edge a little bit. Yeah. Um, They've upgraded physicality yeah. massively on the back end. And I think that's where you need it more. Um, and because they can still play the, you know, the dump and chase hard four check game with the players they have. It just didn't match up front to back always from a you know demeanor uh, perspective. But hey, that that Islanders game, the team that I picked to win the Metro, um, I thought it was a fairly dominant performance uh, despite being close in pockets. The, the Canes were just 
overwhelming at times and, and the better team um, clearly have found their identity quicker than the Islanders have. Yep. And we'll see. Obviously, we got a lot of season to go. I would assume that matchup will continue to be a good one. And I'm just curious to see how the team progresses. I mean, there's a lot of potential. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing them hitting their peak far later in the season, right? Prior, like at the sweet spot, right in March, be playing their best hockey in March. But we got to be very happy, excuse me, with the brand of hockey that they're playing right now. So, I mean, we're in a good spot. Well, it's only been one game uh, into the road trip, but historically this um, state fair road trip that the team goes on has has not been the the nicest to the Canes, but it's nice to get off on the right foot on a team that I feel like feel that I feel like we've played so much recently. Uh, Our former um, compatriot in the central division, um, the Nashville Predators. Honestly, Mike, very um, peculiar game. I, I felt the Canes, were a little sleepy. I thought that building for Saturday night and its reputation was a little sleepy. Um, but Yuster Foss gets off to a great start again with the snipe. After that, I really felt like Nashville was kind of the better team. Fairly opportunistic. Obviously, the Svetch turnover in the neutral zone that led to uh, the first goal, the Johansson goal, was nightmare fuel. I mean, just yeah. just cannot happen. Um, but once again, uh, the young Russian... Um, Atoned for his atoned for his sins. Uh, great pass there. Uh, I love the the loft in by Pesci, gathered by Natchez. Great pass to him, and then just an absolute laser beam to the corner that that Saros just had no uh, chance to save. Uh, quickly added the empty netter uh, from Teravainen, and then things got a little weird. <laughs> um, Nashville pots one to make it three two with what, a little under a minute to go. And then there was some sketchy opportunities there where it looked like they might've got one, but uh, Frederick Anderson was very, very good, um, especially in the back half of this game where Carolina was kind of lethargic. And, and you saw that reflected in Rod going early to the blend matic And uh, yeah, any other thoughts on this one? Yeah, and I think it's just kind of a testament to the roster right now, right? With game one against the Islanders being a game where your power play and your dominance in the offensive zone win you the game and then flip the page two days against Nashville and that's probably a game where your goalie wins it for you, right? And Nashville, for whatever reasons, plays very well against us. I haven't really been able to put a finger on exactly what it is that's caused that. Um, I think they're the lesser team in pretty much every category but they always have played us well the last however many times was it been 14 times and seems like a million it's yeah been a lot a lot of games played in in recent months so i don't know i look at it and i just think i think that's kind of the recipe for great teams right you're not always going to win it on a total team game, but do you have the pieces to win a game? And it's not one guy, right? I mean, when the goalie wins the game, it's one guy. But other than that, right, you have you have lines on offense, you have pairings on defense that can win you the game, whether it's playing shutdown hockey, whether it's uh, offensive masterclass, whatever it may be. And this team is built to win with different people carrying the burden, so... 
Yeah, good NHL teams, good professional sports teams can, you know, are going to win when they play well. Great teams win when they don't have it that night and they, they just find a way they stay in games, whether it's the goalie, whether it's a star, whether it's, you know, the depth that steps up that night for this game. Um, I really felt like Carolina actually came out good and that's traditionally been the concern. And there's so many games last year, you know, they give up the first goal and they're chasing it and they ended up having a great year. It's just the margin of error, especially you see that in the playoffs becomes exceedingly difficult uh, if you're behind all the time and chasing games. So they get the early goal from Foss, which was excellent. And then they are not gifted, but uh, you know, they get a power play, which quickly becomes a five on three with just under a minute 40 on the clock uh, in the power play, you know, copious time to make something happen. And that first power play unit, which had looked so good um, in game one, just was a little off, you know, think I, I felt like trying to be a little too perfect on a five on three, which I think has traditionally been a problem for this team, trying to find the perfect look when, and you shouldn't just throw pucks on net on a three on five, but you have such a, you know, manpower advantage there that you're going to be the team that's probably going to get the rebound. I, I think being a little more aggressive and, and not just taking one shot during the five on three, Unfortunately, I thought that poor five on three kind of carried over, not just with the power first power play unit, but kind of to the team's performance really for the next, you know, 30 minutes of game time or so. Right. And five on threes, I mean, you have to, you have to convert five on threes. I mean, even if it's not a large portion of time, which that's not the case here, but five on threes have got to be easy money. You want, especially a team of this caliber to punish teams for putting themselves in that situation. So I don't foresee it being an issue down the road. I think there's still gelling to be done, right? You're going to face different types of penalty kills. You're going to have to figure out how do we play versus this style versus this style, right? I think if we're around game 20, game 30, around there, and we're not finding juice on five on threes or the five on four starts to be or starts to decline, that's when I would maybe get a little concerned. That's like when the red flags would start popping up for me. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. And honestly, as good as they looked in game one, I mean, hey, we're working with exceedingly small sample sizes here. It's more so I think you have the right guys on that unit especially, and, and they look good doing it. Mojo gets thrown off in one game. That's going to happen. I don't think this is going to be something that – you know, carries forward into the Montreal or Columbus, Toronto. Like this is a really talented group of guys on the ice and hey, just, just kind of an off night. I, I think one thing it'd be remiss not to shout out was uh, the power kit, uh, the penalty kill uh, in the Islanders game was, you know, elite once again. And, you know, that carried over to the Nashville game, you know, seven for seven thus far on the year. Um, those guys look really good. And that's going to be a strength of this team. It has been a strength of this team under Rod Brindamore. Um, yeah. So I know we've spent a lot of time talking about power play, but I think penalty kill is, you know, equally as important. And when you are throwing a shutout, you know, and when you're down a man, you're going to win a lot of games in this league, because as we know, um, so many games are decided on specialty teams. Yeah. I think they have, 
I think they have the tools to be great on both sides of that, um, reminiscent to last year. And we'll see. We'll see how things progress. I think that's not going to be a weakness of this of this roster, and I honestly don't think five-on-five five play is going to be a weakness of this roster. So really encouraging signs if we can continue and trend in the right direction with goaltending play and not have injury issues, knock on wood. Um, the team's in, in a position where you like what's in what's in front of them. You like the road that they've got. So Through two games, I, I'm not sure there's been – Let's just put it this way. I've been more impressed with them than anybody else in the Metro. And yeah. I don't think it's all that close. Um, long, long way to go. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a really solid, deep team without any glaring weaknesses. Um, I, I think as the year progresses, what we will end up talking about more and more is, although it's solid, does it have the upside to get over the top? But I do, you know, one week into the season, you know, hot take city, I do feel like we're kind of back in that contender range that I wasn't sure we were before the year started. And hey, maybe a week from now we'll be sitting here talking to you guys and say, boy, was I wrong. You know, they're they're two and three and things just aren't clicking. But, you know, what we've seen through two games, uh, this is a surefire playoff team. It's a team that can win a division. It's a team that can win a cup. And hey, if the, Frederick Anderson plays like he did in Nashville, it's definitely a team that can win a cup. But I am curious to see Ante Ranta play. Um, I'm not sure when we think he'll slot in. Um, my guess would be the Columbus game on the 23rd. Probably. Um, I, I think after a week, you'd probably go back to uh, Frederick Anderson versus Montreal. Any final notes on the first two games before we start previewing the upcoming schedule between now and probably the next time we record? No, I think uh, I think what we've seen is good. Obviously, more to come, so excited for the the next couple of games i think you have a couple games that you'd think you should take pretty handily and then maybe a little bit of a challenge so i'd like to see how they respond in all scenarios uh just quick aside before we head into the the preview uh that that's fetch uh, 42 goals looking pretty good right now only 39 to go my man's already got three through two games uh hopefully he doesn't you know, cool off like he did last year, but it really feels like early that the breakout that we projected after like eight games last year, it it's inevitable. It just feels like it's going to yeah. happen. And if he does that, there's not a more dominant force on this team because although Ajo has traditionally been the best player, the size and physicality and, and total like athleticism profile of Svech can be at a completely different level, yeah. a level that not too many people on the planet have. Yeah. Um, I would love if we're sitting here talking about him being a you know a top 10 player in the league by the end of this, but through two games, he has been, but we got a long way to go. Yeah, he just needs to sustain it, right? And I think the longer he sustains the play he has right now, the higher his confidence will be. And he's a, certainly a guy that once he's at that, peak level of confidence he's gonna be hard to stop we just got to get him there and keep him there keep him there and conversely you got Aho, who off to a slow start but still two points in two games you know he's point per game player and he's not even playing that well sebastian Aho is going to be okay he's already okay he's going to be terrific this season uh, he's a true number one center and we are very fortunate to have him 
pumped he's wearing a letter. I thought that was the right move. I, I wasn't sure how they would handle it, but we both felt, uh, as you guys know, that he deserved to wear one, and he's probably the future captain of the team. Uh, all great things on that front. So, all right, heading into the preview of the next week for Carolina Hurricanes hockey, Thursday, the 21st, looking at the Kakanimi Bowl and his return to Montreal. I am sure he will get a rousing ovation at the Bell Center. Standing O, all the number 15 jerseys. People are just ecstatic to welcome home their favorite son. It's just, this is my favorite, not my favorite, but a just hilarious part of professional sports is people who will be so quick to be like, nah, Kotkaniemi sucks, like, get him out of here, blah, blah, blah. We don't want to see him anymore all that kind of stuff, don't sign the offer sheet, or why would you sign the offer sheet when you know you're not? Like, all those people, like, there's just such a class of clown in in professional sports fandom, and it just cracks <laughs> me up. And media, to be totally oh, honest gosh. with you. The, the, the clip you were listening to, the yeah. his interview, uh, was just ridiculous. But, yeah, it screams like having a hard time getting over an ex. Like, yeah. This is a guy that obviously... He doesn't obviously, even know who you are. Yeah, I've <laughs> had a tumultuous uh, experience in Montreal. Um, you know, it was even to the point where the Montreal media, Montreal fans, it was on Reddit, social media, you know, Twitter, etc. Noticing that he got dr- in the third period versus Nashville. Clearly, they don't watch Kane's games. The Blendomatic happens. He ends up just playing with, like, the quote-unquote fourth line and... You know, the Canadians fans uh, across social media are freaking out like, oh, through through uh, not even two games. He's a fourth liner. It's like you got you guys have no idea. Like you're clueless. Like, yeah. OK, it would we have loved to see a little more production? Sure. I, I think he's looked fine. I know it hadn't shown up in the, the box score. He's pointless as of now, but he's playing fine. And it looks like he's going to be playing on an all finish line with Ajo and Teravine and I'm going to put it out there. He's at least going to have a point in that game versus Montreal. If they have to, you know, manufacture and make it happen and playing with those two guys, he's going to have a great opportunity. That's a team that looks in Montreal. That looks completely rudder, rudderless, uh, no carry price, no Shane Weber, no identity. The loss of Philip to I mean, has, you know, can't be overstated at this point. That just team, you know, despite playing for a Stanley cup just a year ago, that team just looks lost and look like, looks like it could be picking in the top half of the draft. Right. I mean, you got Carey price out, you got Shea Weber out, you lost Phil to know you lost Kotkaniemi. I know you replace him with Christian Fisher and all that, um, or Dvorak, excuse me, not Fisher. Um, and you, I don't know, you, you watch how they play. They lost me money in Vegas. So, <laughs> Not, not that we remember that or anything. Not that I'll not that I'll hold a grudge or anything. Um, you you watch that team and they're they're in shambles right now. I mean they they it's early in the season, but they they haven't looked good. I mean you can't get you can't get throttled by the laughing stock of the NHL in the Buffalo Sabers, right? And no, you can't. Especially as a team. That, hey, the undefeated Buffalo Sabers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a team that a team that just went to the Stanley Cup final against a team that can't even figure out how to get their superstar neck surgery. So it's it's a wild start to the season um, for them. They're going to be angry 
the fans are going to be upset, I'm sure. Don't be surprised if Aho and Taravainen and whoever else he's on the ice with throughout the game are feeding him, uh, being caught Kniemi, because, uh, yeah, you want to see your boy thrive, right? You want to see him go out there. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost feels like if he has a breakout game in this particular game, it can have la- a lasting impact on his you know, performance for the foreseeable future. It's it's the kind of game that can really jumpstart your season because you know it's been circled on the Canadians fans, media radar, and you definitely know he's aware of it. He's at, you know, has his own personal press conference today. Where ten, he's, 10 or 12 minutes long or whatever. Yeah, where, where he's answering questions about it. This is a big deal. It's got to be weighing on him. I would love to see him have a great breakout performance. And I, I hope that's the, the start of, you know, great things to come for him here in a Canes sweater. But yeah, otherwise, that's a game I fully expect the Canes to win. Um, and I really think the advantage is going to show up down the middle because I think Nick Suzuki, uh, question, I mean, I think they feel like it's a good deal. I, I think it's a little questionable to pay him off one year of production. And he, I think he looks exposed without the shelter that is Philip Deneau. Um, dynamic player is going to be very good in this league for a long time. Um, I just think that the Canes are so much deeper and better down the middle that there's really no comparison between the two sides. They're missing Joel Edmondson, who is a great physical presence here and in Montreal's run to the Stanley Cup last year. The former Kane, he is. It, it's just a good matchup for Carolina. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, that's that's a game you expect to win. You expect to win it handily. Um, you hope uh, Kakaniemi plays well. I know that he's still learning the new system, and it's a period of adjustment. So uh, temper your expectations in the meantime. Let him get into the flow of things. Let him get comfortable. I think this is great that we're getting the Montreal away game, like his first trip back to Montreal, out of the way so early. Get it over with. Um, he seems like a guy that's not bothered by it, but who knows what the reality of that situation is. Um, I'm sure he's tired of talking to Montreal uh, media while being a hurricane, but they're going to follow him for for quite some time, I'm sure. So Yeah, get this one out of the way for him. Get a, get a, get up there, get a win, uh, get back to the States. Uh, for a game on the 23rd versus the Blue Jackets, surprising start for the Blue Jackets. Um, a lot of another team that experienced a lot of change this offseason projected by many uh, pundits to be the last place team in the Metro. Um, doesn't look like it early. I, I think as we you know reference Buffalo being undefeated also like again, this is an example of small sample sizes. I, I don't think this is a, a team that anyone envisions you know, this start being sustainable, but it is nice to see, you know, another small market franchise, um, that's, you know, projected to be not so good fighting out there early. And, you know, although I hate it as, as another Metro team, I, I do feel for that fan base because it has to be hard year after year to see your stars exit. So another game that I think Carolina should, you know, pretty much dominate another team. That's not so strong down the middle. Um, yeah, I, I think matchup-wise, it's fairly similar to the Montreal game. And I don't know. Any thoughts? I just think this is a team that has a little more offensive firepower, right? They've got Bjorkstrand, who's a guy that has a laser of a shot. Um, you have, obviously, Patrick Laine, 
Same kind of scenario. Kane's killer, it seems like. Yep. And then it seems like Domi's been off to a decent start. So they have a Vortech too. I mean, they have guys yeah. that can play. They got they have weapons. I don't think they're the the trash can of the league by any means. I think there are far worse worse teams in the NHL. Do I think that they're gonna finish high in the Metro standings? I don't think there's any chance of that. Um you'd expect the Canes to win. But hockey is a sport that any team can win any night and they do have weapons so we'll just have to see you'd expect canes to win um and win handily but that team scares me a little bit more than montreal does i agree and it's just for some reason the identity of the blue jackets although it's never really translated to to playoff success that team i don't know if it's media coverage or whatever but always seems to perform above expectation even if it's marginally and they play hard, and, and I think it kind of fits the the blue collar uh, mindset, Midwest city. Um, any more thoughts before we pivot to a team that is like the antithesis of that? The team that yeah. you know always underperforms expectations. You know, white collar metropolitan area. Of course, speaking of the perennial um, biggest letdown team in the league, first Toronto, round bus, first round bus. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs, one of the more, you know, no doubt talented teams in the league, as we talked about in our season preview. It's the team that, you know, I think I wanted to pick to win the Atlantic. I, I think if anyone has the firepower to jump over Tampa, it's Toronto. But I just have a hard time to trusting this team. And hey, that that doesn't mean they can't come to Raleigh and win next Monday because they very well could. Um, could could we see a Frederick Anderson struggle versus old team. I, I think that's very possible that we know Toronto can hang eight on anybody in a hurry. And it, it does happen from time to time, but then they can also lose to David Ayers. So w- yeah. what are we thinking? What are we feeling? Uh, I do think it's a very good team. If any one of the next three games they lose, I do believe it's this one. Um, but yeah, they're, they're kind of an enigma. They're one of the more yeah. talented teams, but, they can also just dud. Yeah, they're they're really inconsistent. They seem to have like a little bit of a little bit of a mental case to them. I don't really know what it is. I don't know if it stems from coaching, if it's having too many egos on one team, right? I'm not exactly sure what the deal is there. It's a team that can go on, like you said, a streak of wins. They can win twelve in a row. They can simultaneously lose to a bad team they're they're tough because when you watch the hurricanes the expectation is a high compete level every single night now granted there will be games where that doesn't happen but it's rare and when it happens it's very noticeable with this team it, it, i don't know if it's compete lack of execution whatever it may be but there are games where it's just like you look at them you're like best team in the nhl and you look at them you're like ah that's just so average that's just such an average hockey team. And uh, I don't know because there's way too much elite talent on that roster. Um, yeah, I mean, to not win. Also, Matthews could win a heart. You know, he's won a Rocket Richard before. Um, would anyone be shocked if Mitch Marner, you know, had an Art Ross in his trophy case before too long? I mean, like, and that's not even getting to the, the Nylanders or the Tavares. Like, this is a really ridiculously talented team. Uh, just serial underperformers when it counts. Uh, they've had good regular seasons. I 
honestly, I just I expect this game to be an, an all-out war. Um, evenly matched, I think, built differently. So I think whichever team can kind of impress upon the other their style of play is probably going to win the game. Um, Jack Campbell's been excellent in net. I don't know if Peter Mrazek is going to be healthy. I, I think that would be interesting to see Peter back in Raleigh. Obviously, has his you know tons of fans here. Yeah. Um, overall, like I said, if they're going to lose a game in the next three, I, I believe it's the Toronto game. But hey, ho- hockey's very unpredictable. They they could drop two and then blow out Toronto. I. All I'm going to say is I like how the teams looked early. I think yeah. the team has looked better than each of the next three teams are going to play. As you said, it's hockey. It's a little bit unpredictable. It's a, it's a night-to-night league, and you can lose to anyone at any time. So I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm hoping through five games we're looking at least a 4-1 a hockey club, You know, get eight points in the bag out of a possible 10, and keep things moving. Yeah, I think at this point in the season, it's – or season it's all about momentum and like you said collecting points um i mean i don't see any reason why they can't win them all right i don't i could also see like you said they could drop a couple we'll, we'll have to see it's too early to know where we're at in terms of consistency i expect this team to be very consistent there's too much depth there's too much compete in this roster um I do still believe that Freddie and Auntie Ranta are going to be great options for the whole year. So I'm excited. I'm excited about what the roster shows. Um, Every night's a challenge in the NHL, and I don't think the Canes will lose because of compete, and I think it'll be rare where they lose because of talent. So they're in a really strong position. There's obviously ground to make right they need to continue to grow and to continue to get better because if they just stay where we're at today you're not winning a cup like that so we'll see how the season progresses um we'll see how the team trends right because the start is something that makes you happy with that being said nothing nothing matters today what matters is that where are we at in january february march are we making trades at the trade deadline what are where is this team? Who's healthy? Who's hot? Like, let's see where it goes. The beginning is something that I think is better than we expected, and that that's a good sign. I think that's a great sign. And a few more points I'll kind of make here. People forget because as the season goes on, you know, you start standings watching and you're counting points towards the end. Who's going to make the playoffs? Whatever. Hey, these points count the same. So when they go on the ledger in the win column, that's two points. It's not like that's coming off. You bank these, they count. It's critical to get off to a good start. It's not the end of the world if you don't. I think for Carolina, though, you like that they've gotten four out of a possible four points. You have a fairly easy stretch here over the next three games. Uh, the Toronto game represents the kickstart of a four-game homestand. I think the thing there for me is you really want to have – pocketed these points by the end of that road stand because you spend a lot of November on the road. And I think November is going to be the most critical month of the season. I don't want to project too far ahead, but just keeping an eye on the fact that let's sustain this early start because November is going to be a grind. November, you only have what three home, three or four home games the entire month. 
So let, let's just make sure that the team gets off, you know, continues this good start and uh, gives themselves every opportunity to buy what American Thanksgiving to be safely in the playoff picture, continue that through New Year's and build and progress as to your point uh, through the trade deadline and into the playoffs. We want to make sure we're peaking at the right time, but loving what we're seeing right now. Um, Couldn't ask for too much more through uh, two games. Uh, Excited you guys were able to join us tonight. Any final thoughts? I'll be fresh off a a red-eye Thanksgiving day from the Canes at the Seattle Kraken, so I'm excited for that. I have to call up our buddy John Forslund. Got the the flight, got the hotel, got the tickets, so now now we just got to sit and wait. Hope there's nothing with COVID that affects any of that planning because i'm super excited to go see the stadium i'm ex- i'm excited to see seattle i've actually never been so i'm um, i'm hyped for that and Dude, i'm that's ready to get some some content so everybody can kind of see coming live see from the space like. needle um. yeah. maybe they'll let me <laughs> take a drake-esque photo yeah on top i'm sure of the space for needle. sure just just flash your it's for podcast the podcast you know me sure podcast hat yeah, you should know me uh get the free merch. Um, (laughs) But thank you again, guys, for joining us. Really enjoyed it. Um, Only two games to talk about this week, but um, there's going to be a lot more hockey coming up with 80 more still to play. Um, Great start. Let's keep it going. Looking forward to talking to you guys next week. Mike, tell them where to find us. Make sure to click those bell notifications on whatever you are listening on right now so that every time an episode comes out, you get notified and it pops up on your homepage. As always, thanks for tuning in and be on the lookout for more Kane's content.